God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Hi, and welcome to Journey Through the Word, a podcast that takes us through the scriptures, one book and one message at a time. I'm Jeff Gilbert, and I'll be your guide through the Bible to help you better understand God's Word, what He wants to teach us, and more about His Son, Jesus Christ. Hi, today we're in Acts chapter 14, and we're continuing to talk about the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. And they're traveling around different areas that to us nowadays have odd names, but they're mostly in the old Roman Empire of southern Turkey, southern central Turkey. In the first place, it says in chapter 14 that they go to uh, Iconium, which was a region there on the coast. And they went as they would typically do. And here we'll see a couple different examples of places that they preach. And the first one here is in a Jewish synagogue. And they spoke in in a way that both Jews and Greeks were believing. So it's really nice when you see that God sends somebody out, they begin to preach you know, salvation through Jesus and his resurrection, and people start to believe. People who had no belief in this before didn't know anything about it. They hear and they believe. But you know, there's always the, the other side. Those who don't believe or those who are used as a tool in the hand of the enemy, who want to oppose the work that God's trying to do in the lives of people. Do you remember when Jesus preached about the sower and the seed, and he said the sowing of the seed was like the spreading of the gospel, and that in in different ways it was affected. Sometimes the cares of the world um, stopped the work that God was doing. Sometimes the uh, trials and tribulations would cause people to stop following Jesus. Uh, Others it would take take hold and bear forth fruit. So he gave some different examples of things that happen when the gospel is planted. And one of the examples he gave is, you know, the birds of the air come and snatch the seed away. And it's the enemy trying to come and do a work immediately when... God starts to do his work. The enemy tries to do his and undo the things God is trying to do. And here he's using the hand of the unbelieving Jews and poisoning the minds of the Gentiles. And so they remained there for a long time and they they bore witness to the grace that God brought to them and they granted signs and wonders were being done in their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when they tried to retreat, them, uh, mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and they fled and they went to another place. So, you know, Jesus did say, go and prepare, you know, go, go and preach the gospel. And if they don't hear you, just when you leave, shake the dust from their feet. And pretty much that was their attitude. Well, they're going to kill us for preaching the gospel. Let's move on somewhere else. Although, you know, there were believers that they left behind, and we'll see that they actually returned here later on to visit them. And so they continued to preach the gospel. They were never afraid, you know, never worried about being stoned or being imprisoned. 
you know, they all always counted that as uh, gain and not loss to be persecuted for the preaching of the gospel. And then they came to a place called Lystra. And these sometimes these are cities and sometimes these are regions. And here in this place, there was a man who couldn't use his feet and he was crippled from birth and he had never walked. Now that was always a really good example. Those were the miracles that astounded people. So Jesus healed a blind man who had been blind from birth. And then he could see, and the amazement to everybody was, wow, weren't you born blind? Because that was a different um, category of miracle to them, as opposed to someone who went blind. Well, maybe they just got better again, or maybe they were faking it. But someone born blind or born lame, everybody knew them that way. Always, they were always, you you know, known by the by the community usually because they would beg or because they weren't able to contribute to things in society. So this guy, he was listening, and Paul looked at him, and he said, wow, he seems to be believing. I recognize that he has some faith. And so, you know, Paul uses a gift here, the gift of miracles, or we could say the gift of healing. And he says in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he sprang up and he began walking. So, you know, we all always think that, well, we try to, categorize or you know classify miracles and healings and how they're done was it his faith or the other's faith or was it the gift of healing who cares (laughs) the guy stood up and god you know did a great miracle that day and it was important because he did a miracle in the in the presence of people who were pagan they weren't believers in anything they believed in you know greek mythology ridiculous things and these people didn't know about you know the Hebrew culture and who the living God was as Jews might have and so immediately when they saw this they started to worship them as Greek gods and they saw what had been done and they said the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker so we know Zeus was the chief god of the Greeks And all through that area, there were temples to Zeus. There were statues of Zeus. There were inscriptions about Zeus. There was mythology and local tradition about Zeus. And he was, of course, their great god that they worshipped. And Hermes was was called the messenger of God. And he was the son of Zeus in their mythology. So because Paul was the speaker... They called him Hermes, and Barnabas they called Zeus. And they started to worship them, which, of course, is horrific. But that's the, the level of understanding the people were preaching they, that they were preaching to. They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know who God was. They didn't know about the Bible or the Old Testament or any of those things like we might know today. So they began to preach, and it's they're so you know excited that Zeus and Hermes have come to visit them that they're going to sacrifice to them so they called the priest from the temple of zeus can you imagine and they brought him and they brought animals and the people were all excited speaking in their own language and probably paul and barnabas didn't exactly know what was going on because it wasn't in their their native language and he says no don't do this we're just we're men just like you we're the same as you and you have to turn away from these vain things and turn to the living God. And so that was really something for them that was difficult for them to understand. And so he starts to, to say that 
He's the God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and then all that's in it. You know, in, in these ways, he's trying to preach the gospel in a way that the unbelieving, paganistic society might understand. Look around you. All of the things that you see were created by a living God. Everything's alive. They're not created by Zeus. You need to turn away from those things. And as in the past, he allowed everybody to walk in their own way. But he always gave a witness. And, and that's true. You know, there was always a witness to the world. And what was that witness? In Romans, it even says that, that even those that never hear directly the preaching of the gospel know that there's a living God just based on the miraculous things they see around them. And they're without excuse to see nature and the sunrise and the sunset and all the beauty and in incredible things that take place in this world are evidence enough for us to believe in a living God. And he gives us that witness. And he's telling them, look around you. He made the heaven and the earth and all the sea. And he used to let you, you know, walk in your own ways. But you know what? Even that witness where he gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, and he gave you food and gladness, those are the things that only come from the living God. And you know, we're without excuse as well. Because today we look around and we see the, the things that are so incredible. And you know, the more that science exposes us to the intricacies of nature and the human body and genetics and outer space and the deep oceans, the more we see, the more ridiculous we realize the theories of scientists are about how these things came to be. And they're all evidences of creation, how an intelligent mind created those things that are in the world today. And as a believer, we look at them and say, wow, isn't God great? And as a scientist, they, they have no explanation, really, for how those things happened. So they just add dates to it. You know, 10 million years ago this happened, then 10 billion years ago. Because the, the time, they have to put so much time on it because that much time is is inconceivable to man. They, they can't understand that length of time. And so you just throw more years and centuries and billions of years on it. Say, yeah, we don't know how it, how it happened, but it was so long ago, so much time evolved, things that you don't understand, that have, obviously that's how it took place. It's really very simple. God created it, and it's incredible. And we can see it, and we can believe. So this is the way they preached, but even with this, the people were so excited, they still wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Here they come again. And they persuaded the crowds in the opposite. And they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So they dragged Paul out. Really, he's a dead body there. The disciples gathered around him, prayed for him. It doesn't say they prayed, but that's pretty typical. We, we would pray for somebody in that situation, whether dead or almost dead. And he rose up and he entered the city. And on the next day he went on, with Barnabas to Derbe. So he was stoned. Imagine the physical horror of a stoning that happened to Paul. Whether dead, which I think he probably was, or almost dead, because they thought that he was, he was well enough the next day to walk out of the city on his own strength. 
So obviously, God performed a miracle in bringing Paul either back from the dead at that moment, or at least standing him up on his feet and making him well. Imagine with a stoning, the broken bones and the cracked skull and the concussions and the loss of blood and, you know, your body is just a bruised and battered mess. And yet the next day he's walking. So a miracle took place. And they went on to another city. And there they preached again. And many returned. And then they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they went back. They weren't afraid. They went back to the very places that they had preached and been chased out of or kicked out of or even stoned. I mean, he was stoned. He left and preached in Derby. Then he went right back to where they tried to kill him. And there, he says, they strengthened the souls of the disciples. They encouraged them. So you see, there's disciples everywhere they go. People are converting real believers who doesn't matter what other people say. They believe and they're following Jesus and they're going back and they're taking care of them. They're encouraging them to continue in the faith that tribulations might come, but through them will enter the kingdom of God. Then they put leaders here. They call them elders in every church. So just mature people to oversee the flocks. They show them prayer and fasting. And, you know, the services there, we can imagine, were very simple because these were all the elders and leaders weren't usually very learned men. And, of course, they were new to the faith. So they might read some Old Testament passages and they might sing a song or two, they'd pray, they would fast, and they would wait on God for leading and directing them. That's why the letters of Paul or any of the other uh, apostles in the New Testament were so important, because they sent those letters from church to church to give further instruction about how they should live and you know, differences between right behavior and wrong behavior. And of course, those are still applicable for us today. Then they continued on. It says they passed through Pisidia, Pamphylia, Perga, Italia, and all of these places are in the southern coastal area of Turkey. Amazing when we think about that today, that Turkey, you know, there's very little Christianity there. It's a, the country itself is in turmoil. And in those days, that's the place that God first went and began to preach the, the gospel to the Gentiles and to the pagan world outside of the Middle East, over into the Turkish area. It's really wonderful that those things took place. And, you know, even today, God is looking for people who don't know him, don't know anything about him, who he's preparing their hearts to receive that little seed that the sower seed sows, that word of God that's being preached to open your heart, to hear and to receive Jesus into your life so that you can live a life pleasing to God. You can serve a living God, not an idol, not a statue, not some God you created in your imagination, not some religion that's ridiculous. I'm sorry to say ridiculous, but most religions are ridiculous. The laws and things they make you do and follow when there's a living God who says, only believe. And even if you've not heard the gospel, look around you and see how things are formed by a living God. Then they went back to Antioch where they were first sent out. They gathered the church together and they told them all what God had done and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And then it says they stayed no little time with the disciples, meaning 
They stayed a while. They'd been through a lot, right? Quite a journey. Miracles, conversions, stonings, being chased out, being chased all over the place by the Jews who didn't want to hear about Jesus. And you know, in the same way, it's amazing that God is giving you a door because he wants to give the gospel to you as well. And he's opened a door for you to hear that Jesus loves you, that Jesus wants to save you, and that he's a living God whom you can follow and worship. Ever-present help.